I'm Aeson, and this is The Market on the 9320 pod. Now, normally, this would be a show that we would do on the 9320 player, but as it's the summer and it's Friday, we're making it our Friday show, so all of the non-members get a feel for what sort of podcasts we do behind the paywall. Um, the Market is just basically a transfer show that we try and do every two weeks where we kind of discuss. Generally, we'll discuss the Premier League as well as City, but... Certainly today will be very much City-focused. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined by Lloyd and Joe. Afternoon, Lloyd. Afternoon. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I mean, a bit nervous about City's business or lack thereof, but, um, you know, it doesn't feel that long ago that I was in Istanbul. So the fact that the new season is... Do we start pre-season on Monday? The yes, fact that that's come around is honestly mad. Uh, I thought, you know, I was like quite looking forward to the break. I don't feel like I've had a break. Um, it's come around so quick. It's weird. Um, I, I definitely feel like uh, I needed a break, but now I just want the football to come back. I feel as though the kind of transfer stuff can make you unnecessarily edgy when you're not seeing the team play uh, because you tend to forget just how good your players are um and you tend to become a bit more reactive to what teams around you are doing so i'm looking forward to the preseason games starting next week afternoon joe afternoon you feeling nervous or excited or where, where's your where's your current emotional barometer when it comes to manchester city in the transfer window um it's one of intrigue if I'm honest, I'm not quite at worry yet because um, I'm putting a lot of faith in stuff that's gone on in previous summers. Um, we'll see whether that's faith well-placed or not, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. But, yeah, m- more intrigued. Um, happy to be back in the ring. Obviously, I've, I've um, been quite busy in my personal life uh, of lately and listening to these podcasts, they're absolutely outstanding content. So having them available for everyone to listen to is definitely a treat. And uh, I'm looking forward to to adding my uh, my two cents. Well, I think the uh, the way to begin this is to look at the city squad as it stands today. Well, today, I mean, we're we're going to make a few assumptions. Um, now, Lloyd, the way that you'd broken this down, I, I always find lists of one to eighteen quite difficult to get my head around i don't know don't know why that is i find it a lot easier to just line up two 11s to give yourself an idea of what your potential best 11 is and then what you've got left underneath that so i'm going to start by just rattling off the uh the two 11s that i've put together and then lloyd i want you to jump in and let me know what you agree with or what you don't agree with so i've got edison then I've got Walker, Stones, Diaz, Ake, Rodri, KDB, Kovacic, Bernardo, Grealish, Haaland. That would be my starting 11. And then the second 11, I've got Ortega, Lewis, Gvardiol, Akanji, Gomez, Phillips, Peroni, Foden, Mares, Makati, and Alvarez. Now, the assumptions within that are that Gvardiol comes in and that Laporte goes out. Um, I don't think and cancer. Yes, apologies. I'm just ignoring that cancer. I'm not. I'm. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even entertaining the idea that Joe Cancelo belongs to us. Um, so yeah. So that that's where I am at 
with the two squads or the two 11s that we've got. And it's funny how coming into this podcast, I was pretty calm in that. I was like, we're all right. Like, you know, Gundo's gone and Kovacic comes in and, you know, the Laporte goes, Guardiola comes in. But in the main, the squad feels strong and solid. But then when I put it down on paper like this, it feels different. It feels weaker than I thought it was. So where do you stand on on the the two the two elevens that I've put there and the squad itself? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it's thin, and the problem with those two elevens is that that's assuming you know that's got Walker in, and look, news has basically just broke that he's agreed to go to Bayern. That's got Mares in. It's got Bernardo in your first eleven. It's also got Peroni in, who I think is going out on loan to Girona. And it also includes Sergio Gomez, who I think most fans don't think is good enough to play for City. Now, I know he's played well for Spain's under-21s on the wing, um, but I don't think the guy can defend. So unless they think he's he's going to move, maybe he's the right winger, mate. Maybe Mares goes, Gomez right wing. Um, no, that's a joke. I don't want that to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that those elevens are. If no one was to leave, maybe enough. But I would still say, with Peroni going, I think we're. I still think we're a body short in the midfield, particularly with the fact that Gundogan's gone. I'm not. I don't think Kovacic is like for like in terms of what he brings. It's got different characteristics. I'm not saying you need to replace someone like for like, but I still think we're short. We've lost our captain, you know, one of our most influential players in the running. I still think we're one short there. And I would point people to that TIFO video, which I think is a really good breakdown of where City are at. So, so yeah, if no one leaves, apart from, say, Peroni, you know, Gomez stays, Walker stays, Mares stays, Bernardo stays. I think you can look at that two sets of teams and go, yeah, maybe that's all right. I know we're in six competitions, but maybe that's okay. I mean, I would still argue that we're still one or two short, um, given I think we were last season. But if any of those guys go, which, you know, it sounds like Walker is going to. And to be honest, where I'm at at the moment is I think all three of them probably go. I think Mares for me, probably is the one that's least likely. Then, obviously, that throws, I think, those 11s that you've just read out into a lot more... um, anxiety territory because they're big they're all big players and Mm. um i think i think city need to replace all three well that was going to be my question that the way that i've set this out is such that that's the squad as it is now more or less obviously i've sold laporte and i've broke vardy all in and i'm i'm pretending cancelo doesn't exist but outside of that that's more or less the squad as it stands as it stands if walker goes do you feel we need to sign a replacement hundred percent. And do you think that is a, do you think we need to go and sign a pure right back? Or do you think that there's an argument that you can use stones or a kanji on that side and bring a left-sided player in? Or what's your, how would you balance the the defenders that we have? I kind of defer to Pep and the coaching staff as to what profile they want. Because I think you walk as such a unique player that, it would be very hard to replace what Walker brings. But what I would boil it down to, they need to sign a right-sided defender, I think. And whether that's a 
kind of centre back that can play on the right hand side or whether it's just a right back I think they need someone who's a right sided defender and I think ultimately you know the fact that they've offered Walker a contract and they wanted him to stay and offered him a two year deal as well I think that underlines that they, they think they need him for next season and so if he then turns around and goes I want to go to Bayern then you have to replace him particularly if you remove him from that those two 11s that you just read out well we look one short don't we We've only got Rico Lewis as like a recognised right back with Stones and Nakanji maybe playing there, but then that's one less from the kind of centre half. So yeah, I absolutely think we need to replace him. And the noises that we won't if he goes, I mean, yeah, it's concerning. I just hope it's a, a smoke screen for some sort of business going on. Mm, interesting. I think the the one point I would make about right back before I dive over to you joe is just that uh, obviously i've got a kanji and gvardiol in my second 11 because my first 11 have got walker stones diaz and ake in um i think realistically if you look at the number of games that a kanji played this season it's very difficult to make an argument that he just gets bombed out and gets replaced this summer and you have to find a spot for him Similarly, Gvardiol, if you're going to pay 100 million euros for a centre-back, he's going to play football. Um, So you've got that. And then on top of that, you've got Stones and Diaz, who arguably were our two best centre-backs last season. So I do think there's a little bit more room for flexibility with Walker than there is further up the pitch. But I do take your point that none of those guys are specialist right backs. And I include Rico Lewis in that, in that he's much more of the John Stones stepping in a midfield from right back role rather than Kyle Walker, who is much more of an up and down, fast, strong, athletic, traditional fullback for want of a, a, a better characterization. Um, Joe, how do you feel about those two 11s? Uh, I feel like <clears throat> you read into obviously the philosophy of Pep and, and how he's, he's, he's almost eroded our squad year on year. And the year you would probably look at it on paper going into last season and think it's potentially the shortest is the year we win the treble. And that probably marries with the theory that he is at his best when he's working with a smaller group of players. I think it's getting to the point now where we're getting too uh, dangerously short. I think leaving the likes of, of Walker, when I look at, sorry, I've just got the, the, the second team up like you sent this morning. When I look at this, I mean, if we're sending Perone out on loan, um, and obviously Walker's dusted by the sounds of things. I mean, I know Cole Palmer didn't take his, his opportunity with, with both hands last season, you can certainly argue that point, but I think looking at his performances in um in the, the European Championship, um, you can make an argument he's probably player of the tournament. If we're keeping McAtee, I'd like to see him stay just to beef up the the, the talent pool a bit more. I think he, he's probably going to play more than he has done the previous season. Now, when it comes to uh, the defensive situation, I mean, just to pick you up, you said Stones and and Diaz were our best centre half. So on paper, yes, Stones was probably. Diaz was our best centre-half from a defensive standpoint. 
I don't know what Stones is anymore. He's like a hybrid player. So the only thing I can read from the way we're manoeuvring, unless we're going to do a, you know, a, a glutton of, of, of business over the coming weeks, is that we're going to almost adopt a new system slightly, whereby we, we play with three centre-half shimmering across. I, think I don't see Gomez breaking into that team. I think Ake um, slash Akanji are going to, continue to to go for that role on the left. Cancelo's obviously gone, so that's a non-starter. That'll probably potentially leave three centre-halves, because like you've pointed out with Gavardio, if he comes in, he has to play. Um, Diaz, for me, has to play. And then that leaves Stones. Now, obviously, Stones has been essentially when the ball's um, with the opponent and we're in a defensive structure, more towards the right. However, he's he's basically turned into this Franz Beckenbauer like player where he's he's ending up um in possession in front of the, the back three, if you will, when in possession, and then ending up as a second striker at times in the Champions League final. But how long you can get away with that as your dedicated system, because let's not beat around the bush. Walker was the initial um experiment for me in that position, along with Rico Lewis around that time in, in January. December last season where we had a lot of issues when Stones came in and Diaz came back to allow Stones to go forward that is when we clicked it sounds to me like they're comfortable to to um to continue with that but what I don't understand is why if that's the case why have they essentially allowed Walker to maneuver himself into a position where he can accept an offer from Bayern while simultaneously offering him a two-year deal to stay it, it just doesn't Marry for me. I think you made the point, Reed Bernardo, that if you want these players and you're going to offer them new deals, you don't entertain the thought of them being on the market. Yes, they're going to get interest because of the contract situation, but it seems to me City, on the one hand, with some of these players are taking the approach of, yeah, bring us an offer, you're on the market, but we're also going to offer you a two-year deal. I, I just find it a bit counterintuitive. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on that and... and um just as a whole, what we're doing, because I'm a bit baffled. Um, I mean, like, for example, last summer, I could kind of understand it, but now we're signing centre-halves. There doesn't appear to be any interest in Laporte. I mean, Juventus are obviously going to do the, the typical Italian deal and wait till the last week of the window and try and get him for 10 pence. I think we can all see that. But, yeah, it's just it's just all very... I don't know. We, we've prided ourselves on being very structured and forward thinking and, and, and ahead of, of, of the rest in terms of our recruitment policy. And we have been that the results speak for themselves on the pitch along with Pep's coaching. But I don't, for the first time, really understand how we're operating. So maybe you guys can alleviate my fears because that is an honest appraisal of where I'm at right now. Lloyd? Yeah, well, I do, no, I, I do understand them offering a contract and them being on the market because in a way that's just that's the nature of their contracts unfortunately um walker's one year the other two myra's and bernardo are two i think it's more the idea that we won't replace one of them or a couple of them that's just to me that's just like lunacy i i, I genuinely can't appreciate how that is a serious proposal I think of the three, Walker is probably the one where they might think we can get away with it because we are playing in a different way. And he might not have played more than, I don't know, 25, 30 games next season. 
but it's still a body and it's still an option. And I think mm. he's obviously he's obviously a, he was obviously a key player in the running. I know he didn't play in the Champions League final, but um, Aislinn, was... me and you had the kind of like back and forth about um, like how important he was in the running. But he's clearly a, a huge player in that dressing room, particularly you know when you've already lost Gundogan. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think all three would need replacing. The problem though is that City have kind of got themselves into into this a bit of a holding pattern where the approach is, you know, bring an offer and we'll let you go. Um, now, that's all well and good, but the problem is, is with that is if it drags, which it has, it leaves you with less room to manoeuvre, it leaves you further into the season, and then it's much harder to sign replacements, which pushes you towards what we can often decide to do, which is we'll just go with what we've got. But I think the squad is, as Joe said, kind of at the top. And as I've been beating the drum for probably about a season, I think it's already too small. So I don't think you can you can allow for that. I also think it's worth noting that City, from a journalistic standpoint, have now become notorious for essentially not briefing. And I think the club take a bit of pride in that, in this era of the Romano you know, briefs and, and everything that comes around that. And I get the impression City like there to be confusion out there regarding the plans. I feel like we're in that position now because if you believe the limited versions that come out of the club that do appear brief to, to, to journalists that we respect, that is the policy, you know, uh, you bring us an offer, you can go. But then you look at all the, the stories coming out of Paris, all the stories coming out of the Middle East in regards to Bernardo, that, you know, he, he was promised. And I think this was the impression we all had on the podcast. And tell me if I'm speaking out of tune there, that last summer he was, it was like the old Ferguson and Ronaldo um, to Madrid situation. Give us this season and then you bring us an offer next year and you can go because Barcelona uh, and I think PSG both came with offers at the very end of the window last year and we didn't have sufficient time to replace him. So we know for a fact that City are conscious of, of letting players go that they can't replace. But you caveat that with what's going on at the minute and if you believe those reports I've just referred to, it appears the Saudis, which I'm sure we're going to discuss later on, are making concrete moves and prepared to you know, the, the reported 75 million euros or pounds we want are prepared to pay it. And PSG certainly are very interested. I, I, you'll know his name, um, Asan, the chap who brought him to Monaco, who now works at uh, Paris. Luis Campos, so, the sporting director at Monaco, is yeah. now the sporting director at PSG. Clearly he wants him. I think since he's gone there, they've been trying to get him, haven't they? So the response to, to those um, offers or the indication of those clubs to make those offers has been a firm rebuff from City, which reads to me that that policy is actually dependent on what Pep Guardiola wants because Pep has been so vocal over the last, you know, pretty much since the running that he wants Bernardo to stay and he loves him, um, which is a marked difference to how he's probably dealt with Kyle Walker after his shenanigans uh, in town. Uh, where he was dropped out of the team and he basically outed him and saying he can't do the role John Stones is doing. Uh, whether that was reverse psychology because you saw Walker come in and, and have a great end to the season, but yeah, but the, Joe, the club have just the club have just offered him a new contract and they've they've said they want him to stay. So yeah, yeah, but also like you've just pointed out, I think they're quite comfortable to let him go and, and see how they get on with Cavadio and the other options. So Whereas with Bernardo, I, I I get the impression I don't know what you guys think that City. Are, steadfastly putting the brakes on it and want him to stay. So I, I think that 
if you zoom out a little bit, I think that there's a little bit of a, a wider conversation to be had here. Um, and I was going to do it a little bit later, but I guess since we've landed here, we'll do it now. Um, I, I have the impression that, so the way that city work is that they're not really very reactive, right? They tend to have a plan and they tend to stick to the plan. They tend to pride themselves on almost predicting the market, right? So Khaldun, Soriano, Omar, and big and cheeky. I think that they, they tend to know going into a summer, what sort of summer it's going to be. I think that agents talk and you get a sense of what clubs are going to do. Um, and so I think that in general, it makes it quite easy for city to plan. So for example, I imagine last summer, They've looked at it and they've gone, there's not a club in Europe that can pay Bernardo Silva's fee. It's cool. Like, we don't need to worry about that. Even if he's saying, I want to go, it doesn't really matter because we know that this is the valuation and we know that nobody will bring that valuation. Um, And so I think that that's, in general, I think that our planning is excellent, our foresight is excellent, and that is why we don't tend to panic. So we can keep the policy of well bring the offer and you can go because in most summers we can almost telegraph it and go well i know he's not bringing the offer and i know he's not bringing the offer and there isn't really anybody else left to bring an offer so that's cool we don't have to worry about that i think where we find ourselves this summer is i think they may have miscalculated and i think they may have miscalculated right across the board and what i mean by that is i don't think they bank on uh, I think if you'd have said to them eight weeks ago, Kyle Walker's going to be a top target for Bayern Munich, I think they'd have gone, no, you, no chance, right? I think equally, if you'd have said to them eight weeks ago, Walker's going to come to you at the end of the season and go, I want to go, even after you offer him a two-year deal on improved terms, they'd have gone, nah, it's just never going to happen. Um, but that's where we find ourselves. I think similarly with the Bernardo Mares things, the, the the problem we find ourselves in, or at least I believe that maybe where there's been a slight miscalculation is I don't think they were prepared for Saudi. I think what Saudi has done is it's almost accelerated a few things. So for example, I imagine City looking at this summer and looking at Bernardo Silva and going, well, it's only Paris Saint-Germain. And if we go with 80, 90 million euro as the valuation with nobody else at the table, they're not going to pay that. They're just, they're going to walk. Um, but the issue you've got is if Saudi turn around and go, well, we'll pay that, right? Then you've got, suddenly you've got real competitive tension and you weren't prepared for that because competitive tension means that Bernardo Silva can come with two offers and go, well, I will take either of these because I want to go. And I think that that's where there's been a slight miscalculation or an overconfidence because I think that whereas two months ago, Gundogan is another great example. City were very clearly briefing within 48 hours of the Champions League final that they're really confident that he's staying. All the stories were he's much closer to staying than he is to leaving. And yet in the end, he left. I struggle to believe that they knew that was happening strikes me that they've made a call at some point in the final third of the uh, of the season gundo's got to stay 
And then they've tried everything to convince him to stay. And they think they've gotten that over the line. And in the end, he's gone, no, I'm, I'm going to go. Now, I'm speculating. I could be wrong on all this. And I'd, I'd like to know, Lloyd, starting with you, I'd like to know what you think. But that's my overall take is part of bring the fee and we'll let you go is the confidence nobody's bringing the fee. Mm. Part of kind of letting things run to the final two months of the season is the confidence that, well, where's Kyle Walker going to go? Like what's going to be more appealing to him? Like Sheffield United or, you know, Villa, City are probably looking at it going, there's nobody else that's going to come to the table. Yeah. I think the, I think the salary point is, is bang on. And I think that's why, Particularly for Bernardo, you could, I think there's a clear distinction between last summer and this summer. But to give City some credit, I don't think anyone expected the Saudi situation. I think it's taken everyone by surprise. Um, if you look at a lot of the deals that have gone on, um, you know, there's been some big money that's gone for some quite washed players, and actually, in a couple of other kind of clubs um, examples. It's been great for them. I mean, for Chelsea, my God, it's it's probably saved them actually from financial fair play to be able to kind of get rid of your Koulibaly's, Mendy. Um, you know, I think they wanted to keep Kante, and and he they'd offered him a new deal. So that's, I'd say that's more similar to like R three, but the other two, and I'm probably missing one. Oh, I think they they sent four to Saudi, didn't they? I mean, that that's an absolute tap in for them. I think equally for Liverpool. You know, Henderson, uh, just look at the reaction from the Liverpool fans. I mean, it's pretty mental given that he's, he's their captain, but a lot of a lot of Liverpool fans are pretty happy with the idea of him going. Equally I the think same. they've been I think they've been caught on the hop in the same way that we have, in that I think that is it is almost impossible that Jurgen Klopp would sanction under normal circumstances the sale of Henderson and Fabinho in the same summer that he's lost Kaita, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and mm. all the other players that have left the football club. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I just think I think our lot are more important to the team than those guys are. Um and that might be might be blue tinted specs, but you know, speak to speak to any Liverpool fans that you know. I mean, speak to them about Fabinho's season last year. I mean, the guy's only twenty nine, but he was playing like a thirty nine year old. And you know, Henderson, he's thirty three so now. Um, and I think there was a lot of criticism for Henderson last season. Um, and so I think for both of them, you know, taking those fees actually. Um, it's definitely not ideal given the turnover in their midfield. But I think where we're at, particularly with, I think, Mares and Bernardo, I would put Walker in a slightly different category, even though I absolutely think we need to replace him. They're both key players for us. And to lose guys like that, it's they're almost... They're, they're, well, they're very difficult to replace if you have a full window. I think they're almost impossible to replace if they go late in the window. Um and like you say, if the policy is, if if an offer comes, then you know we'll 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 accept it. Then, particularly with Bernardo, I mean, we've made a rod for our own back. The guy's asked to go. I think three summers in a row prior to this one. If if an offer comes in, even if it's relatively late, I think City are going to struggle not to not to sanction it. And then, 
and then we're in we are in a we are in a very very tricky spot because as we've all discussed many times Bernardo is a uniquely kind of multifunctional player that it almost does feel like you need to sign two to to replace him um so doing that you know and look preseason starts on Monday so I think we're already at the point where it's getting to the getting to being a bit too late I'm not sure about that you know I think in terms of I think in terms of timelines and I'll throw this over to you Joe I think that with with there still being effectively almost two months of the transfer window still to run at least 50 days of the transfer window still to run I appreciate that the season starts in five weeks but this isn't players coming in the final week of the window or the final two weeks of the window which is effectively what happened with Bernardo Silva last summer um but yeah Joe do you think we've been caught on the hop like do you you agree with my theory that a little bit they weren't prepared for the competitiveness around Bernardo and maybe they've misread the summer window in general I think every single um, major club, whether in, in in a positive light or negative light, have been caught on the hook by the Saudi Arabian situation. And I think from a Chelsea perspective, it's been a godsend. Um, and obviously, as you've just pointed out, for clubs like City uh, who and Liverpool, who have assets that they wouldn't mind selling for the right terms, um, are now, and by right terms, I mean on their own time frame, uh, which gives them the, the chance to identify to, you know particular replacements and, and start the ball rolling. They're now receiving cash offers uh, for these players that are basically, from a cash flow perspective and, and, and obviously financial perspective, are next to impossible to, to turn down. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an odd summer. Um, I think... City operating later into the window doesn't concern me as such. I think we've seen with where Akanji came in. I know you can say that's an anomaly, but you know his performances speak for themselves. I think Grealish came in like the night before the Charity Shield one summer. Um, so you know there's loads of instances of, of players not having a preseason with us and coming in, um, and you know you can make the old argument they don't start well under Pep in his first season, but. We tend to have enough to get by, um, and I wouldn't countenance that being the case again. I think Gavardio's, everyone tells me, is a generational talent. If that's the case, I can see him going straight in and, and, and gelling. Um, Kovacic knows the Premier League inside and out. It's just about who we identify to potentially replace the other players um, and whether we will do. That, that's concerning me. But, yeah, it's, it's a very, I think I said it at, at the start, it's difficult to read City's intentions mm. both in I, and out. I, I am a little bit concerned just because I think that in isolation, you can lose any one of Walker, Gundo, Bernardo, Mares, and go, all right, we, we can... You could even get away with losing one of those and not signing a player. Um, but when you begin to... T- to think or talk about losing multiples. So you begin to talk about the idea that, well, you lose Gundo Walker and maybe Mares, or you yeah, lose Gundo players. Walker and maybe Bernardo. I, I think then that becomes an awful lot of experience, leadership, cultural consistency that walks out of the dressing room. 
Um, I think f- for me, if I can just step in, and sorry to cut across here, with City in the final months, if you cash your mind back, were seemingly briefing every couple of weeks about how they had this windfall of cash uh, because of, of how well they'd gone um, in, in all the competitions, both last season and this, um, players potentially leaving. Uh, they were going to have this. They've never had more more um, surplus cash to spend, seems to be the general theme. But it seems to me all like, you're going to spend some of it then because for me, I know I know we can always come back and, and the proof's in the pudding because Pep delivers and, and you read any of his books um, or books about him, he loves working with a small group of players, but we're starting to get to the bones now. And if we're sitting on this giant pot of cash, why are we not seeing any other than Gavardiol? And I know Benjamin Pavard's just, just popped up on, on Twitter. Um, which as we're recording, but the the impression I got from what seemed to be coming out of the club in the final months of the season is that they were really gonna go for that next generation of talent and have the biggest summer since 2017. And what concerns me is, I just don't see that happening now. I see us doing business and doing great business, like Gavardiol again, if he's as good as as people say he is. But I don't see this summer that they they almost reefed was potentially in the offering. Can I can I ask you a question then? Because to move on. on slightly, do you not do you not think that part of the anxiety actually is coming from the lack of links? Because the idea, it like is you for said, me it personally. Is, yeah, I think the idea that like the idea that all those guys go. Look, I think we can all individually and even collectively, even though it's absolutely not ideal to say lose all of them. I think we can all you can make individual cases for all of them. And with the way that the contracts have fell, I think that's what brings it into a kind of collective situation. With Bernardo being the one you've maybe got the most control over because he's two years, but then he has asked to leave three summers in a row. The idea of replacing them is 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 scary, but I think it's actually the lack of links and the lack of kind of noises that we even will replace them that is, seems to me to be feeding most of the anxiety. Mm. Uh, yes and no. So... I think City are really well run in the main. Um, and I think that their recruitment department is second to none. So I have almost no doubt that they have lists of players for every single position that we just don't know about. I mean, I think we saw in that first documentary that they don't even they don't even write names. Like they, they have code names for for players that they target even internally. Um so I, I'm not I'm not overly worried about the lack of links but where i find myself landing is that however you characterize the manner in which city do their business i think you have to like so for example right obviously with emmerich laporte guardiola's gone i'm done with him I'm just fucking done with him. And so ergo, the club are going, we're going to go and sign Vardiol, and it doesn't really matter when the Laporte offer comes in or if it even comes in, we're just going to go and sign the player. Now, on the other side, with, for example, Bernardo Silva, Guardiola's like, I absolutely don't want to lose him. And so the club are effectively, in my opinion, saying to Bernardo, look, this is how much we want you. We're not even we're not even looking at players, bro. We want you to sign this new contract. That's all good and well if the player stays. 
if the player goes, then you're behind the curve. Bernardo Silva is not even Kyle Walker, right? Kyle is somebody who we can kind of make the argument was a little bit in and out of the team in the second half of the season and certainly found himself a little bit out of favor. Bernardo Silva was the cornerstone of nearly all of our big games this season and certainly in the run-in he was absolutely the go-to guy to the point where Riyad Mahrez potentially wants to leave and go to go to Saudi so you in my opinion you have to be ahead of that curve you can't find yourself in a position where you go well we're just not going to do anything until it's clear what happens with Bernardo because now what's happened is maybe eight weeks ago, you have no doubt whatsoever that Riyad will be a City player next season because who the fuck's going to offer him anything at 32 years old with the wages that he's on? But Saudi have come around the outside and suddenly Riyad's potentially on the outs. And so if Riyad's potentially on the outs, I know for a fact that City right now have upped the offer to Bernardo Silva and basically Guardiola's told, told the board you got to do everything in your power to keep him and i'm going to do everything in my power to keep him but at the same time if he turns up on monday morning and goes i don't give a shit what you say pep you promised me if i brought the offer i could go and bring in the offer and i want out well you, you at that point i think you're done i think you city are the type of club where they are absolutely true to their word if they've given bernardo silva their word and he arrives and he goes I don't want to be here. Here's the offer. They will let him go. So it's also the right way to operate because then you're going to have a pissed off player. You're probably not going to get the same level of, of commitment. If City have verbally promised him, it's like the Harry Kane situation, isn't it, with Daniel Levy? Because he's Harry Kane and he has no backbone, he just buckled down. City don't operate like that, to my mind, from what we've come over the last few years. If they've said to him, like you just said, Asan, bring us a concrete offer, whether it's from Saudi Arabia, Paris, whatever, and they meet, meet our asking price, and he still wants to go, they have to let him go, because what's the alternative? He but you have to be more, I get that, but you have to be, you, you, your, your foresight has to be better. And what I mean by that is your foresight has to see that you don't have an agreement with Gundo. Your foresight has to see that you've taken Kyle Walker and Riyad Mahrez effectively out of the team in the second half of the season. So you do have the potential for really bad faces come the end of the season. Those are situations which, again, in isolation, you can handle any of those. But you can't put them all together in the same summer because that very quickly means you're not in control of the situation. And for a club who like to give the impression that they're in control of everything, I do have the sense that they're not controlling this. Now, we've not even really pushed forward from the back five in terms of the squad. And I, I kind of want to do that a little bit as well. So, Lloyd... Center midfield, very clearly, I've got two sets of three. I've got Rodri, Kovacic, and KDB, and I've got Phillips, Peroni, and Foden. Um, firstly, any objections with any of those players in the sense that do you feel there's another player who should be in there ahead of one of the players that I've put in there? Um, well, Peroni's gone, I think, so I'd take him out if he's going to Girona. Okay. Um. 
I don't have a pro- problem with putting Foden there, but because I do think he's going to play there next season. But that is kind of contingent on what happens elsewhere, isn't it? Particularly with Bernardo and and Mares. Um So you could maybe have Makatean instead of instead of um, Peroni, but he did primarily play right wing, and I think he's probably more likely to play right wing for us when he comes in than playing the eights, just with how Pep's gone with, you know, midfielders and look where Phil's played for most of his city career. So I think that I think that's one short anyway. I think we need to sign someone in that position. I think the Declan Rice and Bellingham pursuits point to that. And I think particularly when you look at the fact that Calvin Phillips is one of those names and the guy literally didn't kick a football in Anks last season. And I know there are a lot of City fans that are convinced of this redemption arc, but I just, I do not see it. Really don't see it. Um, I actually put a poll on Twitter like last week of if Gun- if Rodri gets an injury now that um, now that Gundo's gone, who's the first choice person to play in that position? 28% of people, like 170 people said Phillips would be their choice. I thought I was mad. Don't know who voted for that. Uh, apologies in advance if anyone did, but so yeah, I think that's a problem because it, even if you don't bring anyone else in, for example, you, you're almost requiring a huge upturn from Phillips just to help out the other guys and to play more minutes. Rodri can't play the same amount of minutes next season, and yeah, I think you're basically you've got two pure eights, I would say, in De Bruyne and Kovacic, and then that's it. So, what I type do, of midfielder would you be looking to sign? Because, be, for example, Rice and Bellingham are very different players. So yeah. the, t- the targeting of both of them felt a little bit, not opportunistic, but like the kind of generational talent vibe where you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what type of midfielder would you be targeting? I'd be targeting someone who is like a pure eight, in the, similar to what Gundo did. So for me, like Florian Verts is probably the guy who looks the most appealing on the market. Um, or someone like Eze at Palace. I'm not 100% convinced he's good enough, but I do really like him. I think someone that can play that eight position easily, but has definitely got an eye for goal and can bring goals and assists because what's walked out the door with Gundo, apart from all the leadership, the captain stuff, is goals and assists. And look, I think we're all hoping we get an upturn off Kovacic, but his Chelsea career suggests that he's not going to end up being a Gundogan, even though I think he might improve on that. So I think I think we need someone that can start chipping in with numbers. And I know people might say, well, well that's going to be Phil's job. Well, that's all well and good. But, you know, Foden is still going to be covering the wings, I think, at points next season. So, yeah, I'd like to see someone um, in that kind of verts mould that comes in to play, yeah, as like a pure eight that can create and score goals. Joe, same question for you. So firstly, do you think we're light in centre mid? Um, I guess so because I feel if we were De Bruyne to is injured, FYI. Yeah, if we were to get another injury on top of that, a long term one, I'd be concerned. I do get the impression he intends to move Foden inside permanently uh, at some point, whether it's next season or experiments with that throughout the season. But I'd be reading the market, and I assume City are doing. It's clear Mbappe wants out of Paris to go to um, Real Madrid. Real Madrid need upfront cash I think there's a solution staring you in your face they've got an embarrassment of riches in midfield I've been you can call it unrealistic but I've been knocking on the door for Camavinga or or Chouamani 
uh, to give them cash flow to enable them to try and get Mbappe this summer. Um, whether you guys consider that realistic or not, I don't know. But I don't think an obvious solution. I, I don't think two of many is a six. For stars. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I think from a characteristic point of view, two of many is a six, and Camavinga is not really. Yeah, but no, but it's, it's more the idea that, like, if you want to replace Gundo, then the the priority characteristic has got to be pauser, right? And Kamavinga is not a pauser guy. Kamavinga is kind of, he's just much more dynamic, you know, he's, he's a bit more like Phil in a way. He gets the ball and he, you know, wants to go past players and he can dribble and he likes to dribble. And so I don't think either of them fit neatly into from a characteristic point of view, what City would be looking for. And also... So put it to you like this then. Whenever on. we've lost what has been considered a key part of Pep's team, whether it be a Gundogan, um, a Fernandinho, admittedly he was more phased out because Rodri was coming in, uh, Sergio, etc. When have we ever done what you would consider a like-for-like replacement? No, but I think there's a... I, 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 Again, I it's take your point. Though, I don't think, yeah, yeah, and it's it's an argument that it's an argument that I've made in the past that you can't really replace players like for like. However, centre mid is the cornerstone of any Guardiola team, and Ilkay Gundogan, along with Kevin De Bruyne, has been the absolute cornerstone of this City team for the last five years, minimum five years. Um, that is because. He, he like David Silva, he just naturally understands pauser. And so you would assume that that is not a negotiable characteristic. You would assume that Guardiola is not going to go, well, you know what? I'll sacrifice pauser for X or Y characteristic. I would suggest that that's almost the one if in every position for the players that you're looking at, you have one characteristic that's non-negotiable, I would imagine in centre mid, the pauser thing is absolutely non-negotiable. Well, there was a third who I didn't mention at Madrid because I do feel this is extremely uh, unrealistic. But uh, Federico Valverde? I mean, I agree with you, Joe, that, that if Real Madrid they're, they're want to sign... For, exactly. If they want Mbappe, they, they have to cash. sell. It's as simple as that. Yeah, they are, they are going to have to sell somebody if they want to if sign. Bernardo, if Bernardo goes, that has to be something that's looked at because he is a very rare player that is similar-ish to Bernardo in that he's got that kind of multifunction, multifunctionality and he's still young. Um, and like you say... I think actually he's more likely to leave than any of the others because they've signed Bellingham for big a big fee. They've still signed Chuameni for a big fee. I know he didn't play that much last season. Um, Kamavinga is really young and was getting more into the team last season. They still signed him for a decent fee. They've obviously still got Kroos Modric. Um, so Bayer signed a new deal. So I think Valverde strikes as the one that could maybe agitate, but that would be expensive as hell. And I also understand, obviously, you guys saying Chiuamani being a number six or Camavinga being more dynamic, but look who we've already gone in for this summer. Gone in for Declan Rice, and clearly we spent the better part of two years courting Jude Bellingham. So... 
I get the impression they're quite open to various positions around the midfield. So it depends. It depends on how realistic it is because we don't we don't know Mbappe's intent. Well, I think we do know what he wants, but PSG are unpredictable. But mm, I think it's just it's just a shot in the dark. I, I think it could it's it's possible to do business there. I think really that we're more likely to. I just I, I find it very difficult to believe that City go to Real Madrid to try and take a player because I just I think in the end the kind of the level of competition between City and Madrid is so fierce that if you turn that on its head and Real Madrid were to come for Bernardo Silva this summer, I think City would quote him hundred million pound. And so similarly, I think that if you go to Real Madrid and you say, Well, we would like Federico Valverde. I think they'd go, well, you know, we'll use Jude Bellingham's fee as the barometer, bring us 130 million euros. And I just, I think yeah. he'll be, you'd need, be like... You'd need the player to to basically kick off, wouldn't you? Mm, I, think. I just, uh, it's it's a tricky one, that one for me anyway. Um, Not a differ. I, th- I do think from a, I actually think, I had a little look at this and look, I think Florian Wirtz is a player who's played right wing, left wing, and as an eight uh, under Javi Alonso in the season just gone. And I think that he's kind of the nearest thing to Bernardo Silva in world football in that he's kind of got that. He's naturally just a gifted, very, very, very gifted, very comfortable on the ball footballer. He's very versatile. He's young. He's got a really high ceiling. It's just a question of what you're... I, I think you. I think it's going to be a lot easier to go to Bayer Leverkusen if the player goes, I fancy this, right? It's going to be a lot easier to go to buy a Leverkusen and get to a fee that you're comfortable with that they're happy to sell for than it is to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona yeah. or Bayern Munich or any of what we would consider to be our European rivals and try and extract a player from there. I think that's where lies the problem with Florian Verts because I was reading recently, I don't know how much credence you put it in, that the player himself... Is steadfastly committed to doing another twelve months to aid his development. I, I read that as well, but then the market. But there's been a lot. There's been a lot of talk in the last month uh, that Chelsea uh, are seriously looking at him. So I wonder if there. And also, like I think that there there is always. I think I said this in a group chat somebody the other day that I think with somebody like Verts. Even if he wants to do another 12 months, I think that if City were prepared to go to 100, 120 million euros and Pep Guardiola was prepared to pick up the phone and do the full court press of, I'm losing Bernardo Silva, you're going to replace him, you're going to be central to my team, blah, 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 come and join the most exciting team in Europe. I think you can convince him. I do think you can convince him. And in a way, I think it's a much easier sales job than ringing up Federico Valverde, who's already at Real Madrid, um, and trying to convince him that you would come. But I think the, I, I guess we're all in agreement that regardless of who leaves, we would need one more centre midfield player. I wasn't sure. I, I'd kind of convinced myself that Kovacic for Gundo was fine, but the truth is a lot of that was conditioned by the lack of injuries because when you put the two 11s together and you go, well, you've only got Phillips and Peroni. Uh, if Rodri or Kovacic get an injury, that's very, very difficult. That's assuming that Foden and KDB can't play in the same team together. I think similarly, the issue you've got 
with Foden is that you can rely on him there, but then if you pick up one injury on the wings, Foden becomes needed on the wings. So actually, any injury, either in in the wide areas or in centre mid, kind of fucks you. Well, first game of the season, who's playing in the two number eights positions at the moment? Mm-hmm. That is a question. Kovacic and Foden, I'd imagine. Yeah. Exactly. My God, was nobody else, is there? No. Unless you so I think it. you're short. Mm-hmm. Worrying. I mean, you know, I I think there's these things are all relative. Uh, I'm I'm not not sat here going, Oh my god, the the sky is falling. But equally, no, obviously not. I find it. But we, a bit... we're talking about a squad, though, isn't it? You know no, I mean? totally. And I think I, I, I've seen a few people go like, you know, stuff like, "Oh, in Pep, we trust," and have the club ever been wrong? And we just want to travel and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think that those are particularly appropriate responses to a conversation about squad depth when you're losing some of the cornerstones of all the success that you've had in the previous three, four, five years. Um, so. How do we feel about the wide areas then? So I've got Grealish, Bernardo, Makati, and Mares, and I'm probably at about seventy percent that Mares is going to go. So how many wingers do we need, Lloyd? Well, what percent are you that Bernardo goes? Also seventy. Yeah. Wow. Um, are you? I am as well. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's definitely above fifty. Mm. I think. I think that. I think there'll be an offer this summer, and I think he'll. Uh, an offer of the right size, and I think he'll end up taking it. I don't think we can turn around to him and and give him the V's. Um, so, yeah, I think winger is the is is the position, along with the number eight, where I think we feel short almost anyway. So, what Palmer out because he goes on loan? Um, we've got Grealish for the left wing, but at the moment we've not got anyone else to cover that side, and then yeah. If one of Mares Bernardo goes, yeah, you, you need one, but it almost feels like you're a bit short anyway. Maybe McAtee can kind of take Palmer's minutes, and you hope that he takes more minutes than Palmer last season because Palmer obviously had his had his struggles. But if both go, it kind of feels like you need two, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I have really high hopes for McAtee in that uh, it sounds like he made of enough of impression on loan that <clears throat> he's got preseason to. Uh, almost kind of elbow his way into the Mares position. So if Bernardo stays, I can almost be convinced that Bernardo and McAtee can do the right if Pep believes that. But I think where I have a little bit of an issue is the left-hand side dead zone. I think that, again, last season was uh, just – it was an incredibly – it's just an incredible season and very unique and the lack of injuries and the kind of consistency of selection. A lot of stuff just went our way. And the reality is that you've only really got Jack Grealish to play on the left wing. So you still need a winger for me. Even if you go with, I'll do Bernardo and McAtee on the right, you can't then say McAtee will also cover the left or Foden will cover the left. I guess, mm. and this is maybe the this is maybe the wider point that that I've landed on, and that is that you can't use Phil Foden to cover the wings 
because that then you sh- then you then you're doubly short in centre midfield, and you're also likely to find yourself in a in a situation where even though you've probably started the season or gone in at the end of this season, going next season Phil Foden plays centrally, he ends up becoming your luxury utility player. In that he's so good that you go, sorry mate, you got to mm. play on the wing. Com- completely agree. Completely agree, and that's why I think in an ideal world. I think City has the squad is at the moment, so with no outgoings, so no Bernardo doesn't go, Morris doesn't go, etc. I think we still need one more player, and whether that's an eight or a winger, I think really is up to City because depends what they want to do with Phil, depends how they want to use Bernardo, etc. But I still think we feel one short as things are, so wholeheartedly agree um, because you can't have Foden cover basically three positions. Um, that's just taking the absolute piss. Um, and so, 100% with you. I, I, I think a number eight or a winger, depending on how they want to use the squad, is already where we're at. So I have a question for the two of you, um, which will kind of bring us into the final phase of this podcast. And that is, my timeline has seen a lot of replies from people saying uh, Julian Alvarez can play as an eight and or Julian Alvarez can play, can cover either of the uh, the wide roles. So, mm-hmm. Joe? Um, I don't think it, it, it's right for his development, certainly to play him as a number eight. He played there a few times towards running the end of the season, and not a headless chicken, but you could see it just wasn't natural to him. Um, I know he's got the talent to continue to develop, but for me, it, the best scenario that could arise for Alvarez and I don't really see it happening it would be him playing off Haaland in some format I don't see him as an out and out um, wide player as as Gabriel Jesus kind of developed into under Pep sacrificing his game to almost become this defensive type winger I think he's got too much talent and I'd, I'd be much more comfortable with us from a personal perspective, rejigging our system so we could get him more central alongside Haaland, and I think that's where he's played his best football. Um, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see him as a winger. I can see why people wouldn't be too uncomfortable trying it, but I think with the, the sheer talent, you look at how he performed for Argentina in the World Cup, um, played in a more natural position. I, I think that's where I'd like to see him play his football, and I think Pep would too. But it's just how how we get him in there with you know what's obviously standing in front of him well interesting for you for what you guys think actually on that he's he's your backup striker mm. I mean, as simple as that i mean if harlan gets he's playing up he's playing up front I, I get that he might play centrally in games to get him in the team when you want to play him in harlan but he's your backup striker so that's his position almost in the squad and on the team sheet and he's there if Haaland goes down with an injury, then we'd all be very happy with him up front. But he's he is not a name that you can use to like cover one of the number eight positions. Yeah, it's almost like um certainly not a number eight. I don't I mean I'm not having that. Um but I think people have got this impression from from like the Sterling Jesus era, um, where they could almost play anywhere across the front three. Certainly Jesus was more fluid in the in the number nine than Sterling. But I just don't see that with Alvarez. I think the team's going in a totally different direction. Uh, it's, it's, it's much more of your stereotypical Argentinian central uh, striker who's currently a backup, like Lloyd said, for me. Yeah, um, 
I think that he's a kind of, I think him and Haaland together is a bright glass type of situation. I think that if you need a goal with 20 minutes to go and you can, you can, you can basically take one of the defenders off and you can throw, throw Alvarez up there, or you can take one of the center mids off and throw Alvarez up there. Or if, as you said, if Haaland is injured, but he's just technically not good enough to be a, uh, an outside the penalty area footballer for Man City. I know that's going to upset a lot of people and I don't mean to do that. I love Alvarez. I think that he's an incredible finisher and he has the potential to go on to be a world-class number nine. Um, but he ain't a winger. The ball bounces off him way, way too much for for Guardiola ever, I, in my opinion, to view him as a serious option for one of the wide positions or one of the number eight positions. Um, yeah, and that kind of limits. I think it, it, in a way, having that, uh, for me at least, having that clarity about the nines is a good situation to be in because you know very clearly who your number one is, you know very clearly who your number two is, and you're not worrying too much about one of them being needed somewhere else um but it does kind of go to show that everywhere else on the pit or certainly the what i would consider to be the three midfield positions and the two wide positions there's a lot of well that guy can cover that position and that position and that guy can cover that position and that position which is fine if you have a season like last season but we've had seasons where the worst case scenario has hit two weeks after the uh, transfer window closes. And those are very difficult seasons to then navigate. We haven't really even discussed the kind of, what I think is a little bit the potential elephant in the room, which is if it's Guardiola's last two years, then you've got two choices. You either leave him with a bunch of 30 year olds, 29 year olds, because you trust them and then you worry about replacing them when Guardiola goes, or you replace them now, and you say to Pep, you're going to have to teach over the next two years, these lads, everything that you taught Bernardo and Gundo and 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 the first team that you built. And that's maybe something that I'd be, I'd be more leaning towards, because I think it's more of a forward-thinking way of, of approaching potentially the end of Pep's time. But then maybe the club don't want to countenance it being the end of Pep's time. Maybe the idea is if you I continue, don't. say that again. I don't want to countenance it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. Um, how are you feeling in general, Lloyd? I mean, we 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 we've kind of gone through the different lines in the pitch, and I think that there are, without it being panic stations, I do think that there are a couple of holes that they'll need to address and that's before the potential outgoings of Bernardo and Mares. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. Um and look, it's easy to sound like Defcon one, isn't it, when you're doing these podcasts and I'm sure there are people that are like, why are you panicking? Um you know, I, I I'm, I'm I'd say I'm a bit concerned. Um and I think I've kind of gone through why that is i just i just think at the moment we're probably one short even if everyone stays anyway and so then if 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 key players like the ones we know do go then they absolutely need replacing and i still think we need someone else um but ultimately we did win the treble last season i think the players that are staying in the squad obviously all of them are of a super high level apart from sergio gomez and calvin phillips 
Um, I'm looking forward to the Phillips Redemption arc, and I'm very, very happy to be proven wrong on that, but just don't see it. Um, but now, you know, now we are where we are, and actually doing this podcast, I am kind of like, yeah, let's have the first preseason game. Let's get the players back in, mm. because that's when you can really start to see yeah. what's going on. And I think the other thing that we haven't, that it's, it's almost impossible to countenance at this stage is... You know, what are we saying, Ari, Oscar, Bob? What are we saying, Ari, any of the other guys from the academy that might make the step up? Because preseason is always the time when you see whether Pep might give them some, you know, relatively serious minutes. And we've seen in the past, we've seen youth players playing like the Charity Shield um, if they've had a really good preseason. And obviously that would be a proper nod towards like, okay, this guy might be involved. So that's something I think that would that will definitely um, definitely help ease some anxiety. And obviously, if we start to get links, um, then I think that, that will as well. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Joe? Um, I'd summarise it as cautiously inquisitive. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird saying. <laughs> oh, cautiously inquisitive. You're yeah. being too polite, Joe. You're it sounds like a being... fictional book, Joe. It does, doesn't. He's being way too polite with cautiously, cautiously inquisitive. No, because it sounds like I've just come on here and moaned about our transfer policy. Because my actual feeling is, I'm more relaxed than I potentially come across. I'd, I'd definitely be looking, as Lloyd's just pointed at the likes of Oscar Bob. Get my words out. Sorry, Oscar Bob, uh, James McAtee, Cole Palmer. I know there's a lot of rumours that it's already decided re Cole Palmer, but. I think having watched him in the European Championship, I'd probably include Sergio Gomez in that bracket as well. Uh, whether they're going to play some part in the squad? Fuck no! Surely, surely not, Christ. Joe. Come on, Joe. I might, I might, I might have to hand you your P forty five at the end of this Ooh. podcast, lad. Do you know no. what I mean? Sergio I Gomez is, is not player. Manchester City level footballer. Full no, stop. No, come on, Joe. No, I think there's a player in there. Oh, I'll stick to my on it, bro. Not at left back. Obviously not, but. There's something in there. That's where he's played for us. Yeah, but it's not necessarily where he's played when he's played his best football in other places, is it? Especially I think I think not at the well. level though. Not the I level. think the thing is that that in isolation, I'm sure that there's a player in there, and I'm sure there's a player in Cole Palmer, and I'm sure that Oscar Bob has got the potential to be a world class footballer, and I'm I know that James McAtee has got the potential to be a world class footballer. But the reality of the Premier League is that it is brutally competitive. And the reality of the Premier League is that for all of the kind of um, invincible aura that you give off, every season is a new season. And if a couple of teams land a blow on you early doors, look at what happened to Liverpool last season. And I'm not saying for one moment that that's going to happen to Man City. On the contrary, right? I think that we have better mentality throughout the squad and a better manager. So I don't expect to drop off, but I do think it's important to be realistic about the competition around you. Last season, a lot of people had given up on the Premier League in February. And the truth is that that's in a season where Liverpool were nowhere near it. Chelsea were nowhere near it. United were nowhere really near it. If even one of those teams improves and gets to Arsenal's level next season, the competition just becomes that much fiercer. Your margin for error becomes that much smaller. And so th this is, th there's a fine line between belief 
and experimentation. And I feel as though if you have too many projects, if you have if if too much of your squad planning is built around, well, Gomez will come good, there's a player in there, Palmer will come good, there's a player in there, Maxi will come good, there's a player in there, Phillips will come good, there's a player in there, Peroni will come good, there's a player in there that's that's a real that's playing poker at a really 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 high level and i feel and again this is just my opinion but i feel i cringe like hell when city brief about look at how much money we've made in the last Mm. three years look at how much money we get for our academy players with all due respect the only use for that money is by better footballers for the first team because anything else I'm not really that asked about. Like telling me that your books look good is not interesting to me. I'd rather do shady accounting, fail FFP and buy the best footballers available mm-hmm. because yeah, that that's a very is, good point I'd say. That's how you remain at the top. The idea that you do three Premier Leagues on the bounce and then go, well, it's all right to go backwards for a season is anathema to me. We should be going, nobody's ever done four on the bounce. We, I genuinely believe that the motivation, never mind Pep, the motivation from Khaldun, Omar, Ferran, everybody should be we need to do four on the bounce. It's an absolute imperative. I love the fact that Khaldun said to, to Guardiola on the pitch in the aftermath of the final whistle at the Champions League final, you do know the finals at Wembley next year. So mm-hmm. you know what's in Khaldun's mind. We do it at home yeah. next year. So to ha- if you want those standards, if you want those expectations, yes, you've got a top coach. Yes, you've got the best coach in the world but you have to give him the tools that he requires. And once in a while, you might even have to override him to give him one extra player because one extra player is not the end of the world. Nobody is saying, take the squad from 18 to 24. I'm My feeling is one extra world-class player, not a bad thing. We'll make a big but difference. With the greatest of respect before, before I wrap up, you two Bert Rascals did jump down my throat before I'd finished answering the question. So it was a case of I'd be happy to look at them over pre-season and see what they can offer us. Obviously, with the caveat, and I come back to my caution, that I want to see some fresh blood coming into the team at a recognised high level. I think it's fair to say Gavardial's over the line. Uh, Kovacic is obviously signed. I would like to see another... You guys seem to, to feel like Bernardo's basically 70% gone. I'm not as sure as that. I, I just, I've got the feeling City feel like they've got something. I just don't, I get the impression they're going to blow the contract offer out of the water. In terms they of said the offered. same for Gundo. I, I know what you're saying, but they said it's the same for Gundo. Yeah, they're just, just not, man. He wants to leave. He wants to leave. So if he wants to leave, reasons. if he wants to leave and there's an offer, then he's gone. Yeah, but we know how much Pep is held as he's almost. But he, want, he wanted Gundo to stay. He wanted Gundo to stay, though, didn't he? He really, really wanted Gundo to he stay. He wanted Walker to stay. He wanted Walker to stay. Yeah, but like, Bernardo's a, a different kettle of fish. He's on the next level above that, and I know how good Gundo was in the morning. Yeah, because of his age and his profile, and like we've pointed out, I don't know what he's briefing in the press continually about mm. keeping. Well, it. look, I, I feel as though. The will they, won't they conversation 
will be i think we'll be doing another another market podcast next friday because i think next friday everything will be illuminated certainly when it comes to to Mares and bernardo and i do feel that that is the the cornerstone of what happens next for city's window i think if Mares and bernardo both stay i think we'll be fine i think in the end they'll whether they replace walker with pavard or not I don't think that that will make or break our season. I fully agree with yeah. Lloyd. I'm completely convinced that even if they both stay, buy another centre midfield player. But if they want to give Phillips another season, then maybe they they will do that. Um, well, if I, if I may, before we wrap up, let, let me put your, your heads on the block. And let, let's just get it out in the open. Out of the, the key players that are looking like could potentially go, i.e. Mares. Bernardo, Walker, etc. I'll ask you both, how many do you think go out of those lot? And quick caveat to that is, if it's all of them or X amount, not what you want, what do you see City bringing in in terms of numbers? I think they'll all go, and I think that City will sign two players. Lloyd? I think they'll all go. I think Morris is the most unlikely to go, but I think they'll probably all go. And yeah, I'm worried they'll only sign two, which I think would be would be a bit would be crazy, because I think you need to at least replace what walks out the door, plus probably sign one more for all the reasons I've set out. What about you, Joe? You got to answer your own question, bro. Well, up until today, I was convinced Walker was going to stay. I think he's gone. Um, I think Mares is the most likely, like Lloyd. I lean more towards Bernardo going because of what I said before um, about that. And, and the club seemingly promising him last year, and I don't see us operating on a different level and changing that and not keeping him, um, despite the fact that I think we'll try and offer him a ridiculous contract. Um, and I have more faith in the club. I think we'll bring three in, not including Gavardiol. Yeah, obviously I wasn't including Gavardiol in my... I wasn't including Gavardiol in my two. I think that it will be two on top of Gavardiol if, if Bernardo and Mares both go. Um but I, I oh, also believe... It's going to be fun and emotional. Yeah. I, I mean, I almost c- can't believe it. Like, saying it out loud, the idea that Gundo, Bernardo, Mares, and Walker all leave in the same summer, when I say it out loud, I go, I don't believe it. And even though I believe it, I don't believe it. I think something will... You know, I think even if they've got a deal with sad face Bernardo, I think they might just run that risk. And I know that I'm contradicting myself, but... I just find it very, I think if they do let all of them go, then they've got a rabbit that they're going to pull out of a hat that we don't know about. That's, that's my own, that's the only way I can rationalize it is they've got a rabbit we don't know about. I mean, look at what they did. Let's hope so. Mm, absolutely. I mean, the club are prepared uh, to, to, to pay up to a hundred plus million on a midfielder. As we've seen that, well, just under as they offered for Declan Rice. So let's see what. That budget is there, but where are they going to spend it is the question. Yeah, I think I think that's part of the issue sometimes with City, though, that they go big for somebody, and then they know that everybody in the market knows they've got that money, and so that's why they won't go again for another player, um, or at least not in that same category. It's like the difference between Cucurella and Akanji last summer is that Akanji's going cheap as chips, yeah? He's got a contract standoff 
Dortmund have basically stopped playing him. So it's an easy deal to do. But I think that the summer we miss out on Jorginho, we don't do anybody. The summer that we miss out on uh, Maguire, we don't do anybody. Sanchez. Uh, Alexis. Came on the market last minute, didn't it? Yeah, Alexis, we didn't do anybody. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting, it's an interesting moment. Um, but yeah, I'm going to wrap this up because obviously we'll, I, we'll be doing another podcast in a week. I'm, I'm almost sure of it. Um, before I thank my guests, I want to thank everybody for listening. If you've been triggered or upset by anything that we've said on this podcast, please don't be. It's just, you know, it's just our opinions and it's only football and we're all well aware that we've got the best manager in the world and we're all well aware that we've just done the treble and we love all of the players that have done all of that and it, it is in the end just speculation. Um, Lloyd, thank you very much. That's what we're here to do, speculate. Joe, thank, thank you very much. Speculate to accumulate. Thank you for having me. To everybody who listened, this was The Market on the 9320 podcast. If you like this, you're not a member of the 9320 player, go over to our website, sign up for the player. It's four pounds a month. You get, I think we're coming up to our thousandth podcast. I was informed recently, but you get hours and hours of content pretty much every single week, whether it's in season or out of season. So yeah, thanks for listening. Be safe, be well. And as always, up the treble winning blues.